0: I'd like to begin this morning with a prayer um, and then I'll have you be seated after that. This is a prayer based on Psalm 46, which we heard earlier. Let us pray. Faithful and present God, you are not blind to the storms that rage in this world, the illness that threatens. Some storms are visible to the eye, but others are hidden in our heart. Lord, bring your refuge and healing strength. Make us still in your safety. When what seems permanent begins to crumble, when devastation rages the earth, when powers that claim your authority, let us remember the joy that you have set before us. Lord, help us to let go of fear and doubt. Make us still in your waters of gladness. God creator of time, we so often hurry from task to task, from crisis to crisis, carrying the weight of the world upon our shoulders. But the world is yours and everything in it. Let us lay down those things which have pulled us away from you. Let us be still and know that you are God. Let us lift our eyes to your glory, Lord Jesus, as we Come into your presence and make us still in you. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Today is a feast day in the life of the church, Christ the King Sunday. And in my sermon today, I will talk about this special day, why we remember it. I will also look at the passages for today, rich, powerful passages, and how they might speak to us here at St. John's. And finally, as we continue to participate in our annual stewardship campaign, I want to talk about the gift of giving. As I reviewed these passages a theme began to emerge for me a theme of our God who redeems time I want to begin with a personal story two weeks ago I was visiting my mother in Atlanta she is 94 and we are preparing to celebrate her 95th birthday in January in fact My mother and her caregiver V are often part of our virtual congregation on Sunday morning. So um, at Canterbury Court where she lives in a retirement community, uh, St. John's has a little satellite church, a little uh, home church in in the living room. Sometimes she's joined with other friends uh, from her her neighborhood, uh, neighboring apartments. I decided to stay um, at Canterbury Court, although I had an offer to stay with my brother in his home about 15 minutes away. And one of the things that I've come to enjoy about visiting her is when I stay at Canterbury Court in their guest room, I I become part of this community. It's, It's like a church. Canterbury Court was started Um, a number of decades ago by two Episcopal churches in Atlanta who who wanted to have a ministry to those in their congregation who were older and who were looking at the next step in their life. um, still vital um, and healthy, Um, maybe people in their 70s or their 80s or 90s. And I think there are some who are in uh, hundreds as well. Who are there right now. These are amazing people. They they have they have been they are retired professors and clergy. And I attended the most incredible Bible study, but I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, so I allowed myself to be immersed in the in the community. Uh, there are about 250 people who live there. While I was there, Um, I attended a Bible study that was offered by the Canon for Liturgy and Pastoral Care at St. Philip's Cathedral in Atlanta. So 20 of us gathered in a small room. Uh, They were all residents and then um, I was there and I had been invited by um, a woman who lives at Canterbury Court, the former Bishop of Atlanta. And she said, oh, you should come on to our Bible study and i took her up on it as um as i looked around the room i wondered what it was going to be like to be there as a guest i don't think many of the guests uh attend things like this and the canon uh for liturgy she she opened us up with a kind of a get to know you exercise and we were to go around the room and introduce ourselves and answer a question imagine You have a time capsule which could take you to any time in your life, where would it be and why? Think about that. You could be anywhere in your life. One of the gifts of being at St. John's is the gift of preachers, our preaching rhoda. We we never know who's gonna be preaching next And yes, every once in a while you get to hear from us and we're not completely willing to let Chuck um, fully retire from the pulpit, but um, we'll get him back here too. John Hare's sermon. I loved the little section in his sermon in which he shared some of his personal life and something that he's been doing a lot of over the last year. Um, not exclusively because he's still writing books and you know going on pilgrimage and visiting family but he's finding himself doing something which he probably didn't do much of early on sitting reflecting being thinking going over his life I love that little story because I understood what he was doing. He was looking over the long uh, span of his life, uh, not as long as some, but longer than others, and seeing the ways in which God had met him through his life, through those whom he loves, through especially his beloved wife, Terry, and in other ways as well. He is reflecting over what I, having gotten to know John would describe as a well, a life well lived. And of course there's more to come, he's not done. So there's a clinical word for what John was doing. Um, And I put on my other hat as a psychologist and it's called SAVOR, S-A-V-O-R, SAVOR. You know, when you taste a really good meal and you just don't wanna hurry through it, you want to enjoy it Um, this word really began to be used over the last uh, decade or so through the positive psychology movement which i am drawn to personally you know so much about psychology is is getting down into the weeds of all the sorrows and the traumas which, which we which we've had but sometimes we kind of get left there and we need to we need to we need to draw the the other things of our life out, the blessings, the joys, the things that we might miss because we're so drawn to all the disappointments and the hurts. So savoring, pulling out, it's sort of like a treasure hunt of where did God meet you in your life? Spiritual directors and therapists often do this in our work. For Christians, as we look back over our life, we can see God's hand at work, often in ways that we did not see when we were in the middle of a crisis or deep period of discernment. So when I looked at today's passages, I was immediately drawn to Psalm 46. Come now and look upon the works of the Lord. You would not be here today in this church at this time unless God had done some awesome works in your life, drawing you into Christian community. So how have you seen God at work in your life? When the children of Israel gathered together on major feasts and milestone events, they recounted the marvelous deeds of God. And I, and they did this every time they gathered. And I think the reason they did this is because they were reminding themselves of the goodness, of the faithfulness of God, because there would be hard times ahead and there were hard times in the past and they needed to be strengthened with the savoring of their spiritual history. Yesterday, I came back from what I thought would be a short um, stop into a used bookstore. And I ended up with an unexpected and delightful uh, pastoral call. And it took a lot longer than I thought. And I arrived home and Chuck said, where have you been? Because I usually text him if I'm gonna be like two hours late. And, And he said, you know, I've been thinking, I had already written this, I've been thinking about my life. He said, I was thinking about all the hard things I went through and the struggles. And I am just in awe of how God worked it all out, even the things that were just so difficult. And he went on to say, I think that's why when the children of Israel gathered together and they would, they would tell the story of their salvation history because they needed to remind themselves of the goodness of God. It was, it was like he could have just, I don't know if he was reading my sermon before, but it was in pages everywhere. So I think that's just a word of the Lord to us today to look back and see how God has moved in your life. So back to my personal sharing. Um, Several members of the group that, that day talked about wanting to go back in time. In their 80s or 70s or 90s, they were aging and maybe thinking that some of the better years were behind them. And they were longing for them. Some members of the group, interestingly, were looking ahead. And they were looking ahead with excitement about possibly grandchildren or great-grandchildren, yet unborn. And some were looking forward with fear and worries about the future. And then one woman who who said, you know, I don't wanna look forward because I'm a little scared about what's gonna happen And and then she went on, it was almost as though she was talking to herself and she was reminding herself, saying, but every time I've ever gone through a hard time, God has always gotten me through. It was just this theme of Christ the King. God's in charge and he redeems the time. You might wonder when they got to me, did I share and I did. And I said, you know, I, I love being able to look back and see how God has worked things out. Uh, God never ceases to amaze me (laughs) just when I'm sure that it's not going to work out somehow in a way that I can't imagine it does. It doesn't mean it was always easy. And I do think about the future. I think about what it will be like to lose people I love. And then I've learned something. I've learned that when I do that, when I start to get sad or weepy or scared or anxious, I come back to right now to the present. And I said to the group, there's nowhere else that I would rather be, but right now, today, in this moment and in this time. Because if I'm thinking about what if, or if I have those regrets, then I'm gonna miss just the beauty of today. So I'm gonna tell you right now, there is no place I would rather be than right here in this pulpit with you, with Paul, with John and Chuck and Moe, with Jane, with Stephen, I could just go through because so many people are traveling, you know, it's a little easier and I can say your names because I know you. The gift of now, the gift of today it's very easy for me because i'm a doer and a planner to rush right through and miss miss the goodness of god right now and i encourage you to do that a wise colleague priest friend shared this with me so did a beautiful um mentor Sister in Christ, who's gone home to be with the Lord, Gladys, they taught me about not missing the moment, not missing today. Christ the King Sunday, we're talking about time. There's probably no other festival day, feast day in the life of the church where we're not so aware of the vast expanse of time. It's as though on Christ the King Sunday, we're standing on a precipice, taking the long view of history, which will be redeemed by Jesus, the Christ. Christ the King. What do you think of when you picture a king, perhaps, riches or power, majesty, strength, beauty. For some of us, even these words, King or Lord, are challenging words. They are reminders of those in authority who have abused their power, who abused leadership, who have exploited, And enslaved. And though we do not have kings in this country, we know all too well the stories of abuse of power by politicians, religious leaders, and those who are entrusted with the care of others. In our reading from today, the prophet Jeremiah speaks out against those in positions of power who destroy and scatter the sheep. The shepherds who have scattered and driven them away and not attended to them. And Jeremiah promises that God will raise up true shepherds who will look after them so that the people do not fear any longer or be dismayed or go missing. For our preachers and for those in seminary on this Sunday, we do complete a three-year cycle of lectionary readings. Uh, Paul uh, talked about this. So we're coming to the end of a cycle. Every three years, we cycle through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're in year three, and then there are readings from the Gospel of John interspersed throughout these years. And the reason that this is so is that the breadth of Holy Scripture will be covered I love preaching from the lectionary. Um, In fact, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to preach until and and the service planning committee, uh, Chuck and Paul and John and I know that I pick my Sundays, not by the readings, but when I think I have the most opportunity to spend time in the scriptures. And sometimes it's a little bit of a, oh, I wonder what I signed up for. And yeah, I've had some challenging ones, but it keeps me on my toes as a preacher. So next week is a new cycle, a new church year. It's kind of the new years of our church year in liturgical parishes. And this, um, this year, uh, the, our readings today are just filled with profound um, reminders of God's presence. Our gospel today, um, it's it's always kind of throws me when I hear this passage about the crucifixion in the middle of November. It seems like it, whoa, how did that happen? Um, It's a story, of course, of the passion in which Jesus is hanging on the cross between two criminals, and one is encouraging him to save himself. And Jesus says, Today, you will be with me in paradise to the criminal who obviously repented. So we see an example of power, of kingship, lordship, which is used in a sacrificial way, in a way that is costly, not a way that builds him up, but pours himself out for the whole world. On the last night of his earthly uh, time, Jesus taught his disciples about the use of power. By example, those who lead are those who take the form of a servant. Leadership is being there for others. It's lifting up. That's the role of the shepherds, to look out for, To watch out for to to have your back the role of leadership is servanthood and it is sacrificial at times the picture of jesus on the cross depicts a sacrificial love for all a surrender of earthly power and position for god's kingdom so the readings for christ the king sunday turns on its head all our images of royalty and kingship oh the letter to the colossians michelle you read that so beautifully in fact my closing words to you today will be to read a section of this passage um from another uh, from a modern um Translation, if you will, it's really a paraphrase. The letter to the Colossians written by Paul or perhaps one of his disciples in his name was written to a community facing a crisis. The followers of Jesus were struggling to figure out who they were. Some had come into the community with teachings that were not consistent with the way of Jesus. And Paul urges them, to remember who is their King and to put aside false teaching. Paul also reminds his readers that God is pleased to reconcile to himself all things redeeming time. And as I said earlier, Psalm 46 was the passage I was most drawn to. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help, in trouble if anyone in this congregation is going through any kind of difficulty now i encourage you to sit and read psalm 46 pray this psalm over your life god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble the lord of hosts is with us one of the things I love about preaching is I love to just read the commentaries. Uh, I have some of my favorites. Uh, one of them, of course, is um, someone that maybe you would know, a Presbyterian pastor, prolific author, um, who, is, who died in 2000, James Montgomery Boyce. Um, he has wonderful commentaries. And um, as I read his commentary on Psalm 46, He talked about Martin Luther, who would um, just get overwhelmed and he would bring his colleagues together and they say, let's let us read Psalm 46 together. It was his psalm. A mighty fortress is our God. I said I was going to talk about the stewardship invitation. We've heard from Dave Mahan um, and Tim Hersey and John Hare. And they've talked about the fact that this is our opportunity at this time of year to share in God's mission by pledging for God's work in the new year here at St. John's. Tim Hersey, um, all all these um, sermons are online and I encourage you to read them. I was in Atlanta that Sunday, so I heard Dave's sermon and Tim's um, testimony online and I just was so moved by the things that Tim said. He talked about coming to St. John's and, you know, wondering was he even going to pledge or why would he pledge? He said it looked like a church with a lot of money and wealth and we didn't have any needs and he had a church back home and, you know, and, and all of those kinds of thoughts go through us when we come into a new congregation. But he began to feel a part of this church. And he wanted to give to the mission of this church. We want people to encounter Christ here for the scriptures to be opened for for this to be a place where we draw close to God and to one another. We want to be formed by Christ and share the good news with other people. So I thought about Tim's impression of, wow, everything looks great here. Well, I mean, not completely. Some of the paint is peeling, but that's a whole other story. That's a lift and all of that. So have you ever really wondered about the budget of St. John's? I told Chuck, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna just do like a capsule and let you know, you can see all the, 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 all the details on the annual parish meeting St. John's is not a church with a big endowment. We'll just start there. So there are churches which have big endowments, St. John's does not, um, a little bit, but not a lot. Um, the budget, the annual budget of the year is $180,000. Now that might sound like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. And yet for any of you who've owned a home or you know had to replace a roof, this is a slate roof by the way or put in new windows Um, it's expensive half of our budget maintains this beautiful old church if we're blessed (laughs) it's only half and uh, there's a lot heating lighting maintenance the other half of that hundred and eighty thousand goes into, first of all, outreach giving, which we do, our ministries, our programs, um, the things which we do both inside and reaching out beyond ourselves. And then what's left is divided among five part-time people. Now you can do the math on that and you can see that we're pretty streamlined. So if you're wondering Does St. John's need you to help fulfill God's mission in this community and beyond? The answer is yes. And the thing about pledges is when we come someplace and we make a commitment to a congregation, a pledge is a way of doing that. You may be thinking, I'm just a student. I have no money. And so make a pledge of $10 it's as much the action of commitment as it is the amount so i don't think you've ever heard a stewardship sermon where i've just done the nuts and bolts of the money and the budget because i think it's important for you to know the bottom line that really st john's is a parish where where i and chuck and paul we we believe in, in you as the royal priesthood, there's so much volunteer that goes on. When our preachers come and preach, they give of their discretionary time to prepare a sermon for us. So it's volunteer. And in a way, I think it's more New Testament that way. So as I close my sermon today, I wanna wish you a great blessing over this next week. Some of you will be with family and sharing a meal. In our family, we'll have a special birthday on, uh, on Thanksgiving. And for others, holidays are a difficult time. Perhaps a reminder of loved ones no longer here or loved ones far away. Psalm 46 is a reminder to us that God is with us told you that I was going to close uh, by by praying part of that passage from Colossians over you and I hope that as I read these words from uh, paraphrase uh, the message that you will take this as a prayer prayed over you as we go our different ways uh, and then see one another again This is verses nine through 12, chapter one. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard as you learn more and more how god works you will learn how to do your work we pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul not the grim strength of gritting your teeth but the glory strength god gives it is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Amen.